Welcome to the Your Money Personal Finance Podcast. I'm David Pratt, along with Peter Shashecki, president of Everything Financial Group. Now, on show two, Peter, we're going to work our way through the Omni Formula. As you know, this is about getting the information that you need to gather for your financial plan. And a lot of people, and this is another thing you know, are, to say the least, overwhelmed by this, right? That's right, Dave. Uh, a lot of people are intimidated that they don't have a plan. Yes. They're intimidated to get a plan started. So what we're going to do is show people how easy it is and the things you need to know before you go in for that next meeting, as it were. <laughs> Last time we talked about the first meeting, interviewing, the questions to ask that you don't even know you're supposed to ask. But now it's what information should you be divulging and what information should you be able to put out there with confidence, knowing that you're going to get the answers. And, and getting the answers to your financial situation is the important part. It's not meant to be all, you know, roses, butterflies, and unicorns. <laughs> it's better just to know. Not knowing is the biggest form of yeah. intimidation. Knowing your situation, good, bad, or otherwise, is the way to start. And that's why with the Omni Formula, it starts with the initial plan. What is your situation right now? Where are you right now? And then you can figure out where you're going. Well, let's get into it, Peter. The necessary information that you're talking about, you know, for that financial plan what should be in a letter of engagement? Let's start there. Yeah, letter of engagement is for the full disclosure, which we know in, in the financial world and some other worlds out there, there's a lack of disclosure these yeah. days. Yeah. So letter of engagement should really outline the promise of the firm to you of what they're going to do. All fees should be disclosed. That's the most important thing. And, and, and you know, I get the, the rap and the reputation of, of being hard on financial institutions. And it's not that I'm hard on financial institutions and have a hate for them. It's I hate lack of disclosure. Yeah. That's what the letter of engagement is about, is disclosing all fees, um, any money you have to pay, because yeah. there is financial planning companies that do a fee for service. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with paying fees. I don't care, really, well, I do care, but, <laughs> but what the <laughs> fees are... <laughs> It's the point of disclosing the yeah. fees, knowing the fees. So that needs to be in the letter of engagement. Um, and again, what should also be in there is really a timeline of who you're going to be dealing with, like full disclosure. Do we deal with mutual funds? Do we deal with insurance companies? When do they come into the picture? Do we deal with portfolio management companies? What is it? So you really need the full contract, and that's really what the letter of engagement is. It's the contract. Well, with all of this, I mean, th this gets to our next question. You know, how much do you need this roadmap? Well, the roadmap's really important because it provides clarity. Good. So what we provide with the Omni formula is, is really a, it is, is a roadmap because, you know, we say it's like a GPS. Yeah. Um, just like driving your car and using your, your, your cell phone and to go, I'm going from here, I'm going to there, I'm going to there. And that's the confusion people have is, okay, I've come in for this meeting. I'm providing all this information. Where do we go from here? Yeah. So asking, and it doesn't mean the firm has to have a roadmap. I know, I know we do at Everything Financial, but having some sort of roadmap or guidance of what are the steps? Because you, there's so much going on and you're, you're getting so much information, you'll lose kind of focus of where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Or maybe two or three weeks pass between meetings for whatever reason, <laughs> sure. just availability or something. Yeah. But if you can go, oh, I have this roadmap. Oh, I'm next meeting is for this. Next meeting is for this. That's really important because the whole point 
of a registered financial planner and any financial planner for that matter shouldn't be the commission they make. The whole point should be education. This is all about educating you, the consumer, because it's your money. That's the important part. It's your money. You should be demanding answers and clarity. And there's nothing wrong with that with getting into someone's face. I have an example, actually. The other day, I'm dealing with this newer client. We're going through the process. And unfortunately, and this is years ago, um, he's ready for retirement. He's retiring in a couple months. His dad made some bad financial decisions or was treated by a person very badly. <laughs> Take it either way you want. But anyways, yeah. lost a fair amount of money. This is going back like 30 years or so. So he's obviously a little bit skittish, a little bit gun shy, as they yeah. say, about what he's doing for a financial plan. And so he sent this long email while I was on holidays. I mean, it was lengthy. It, it was in detail. But I answered the questions, and then he sent me back. Like, his first thing was about 10 paragraphs, at least. Wow. And I sent him, and, but they were good questions. Okay. And there were a lot of things we explained, but you forget things along the way. And and so I was able to refer back to, well, the roadmap. This is, you haven't discussed that part yet. Or in this meeting, we discussed that, because we've been through quite a few of them all, already. So I was able to show him that and provide him the answers. And his answer back was, well, I watched this financial guy on TV and he always said to ask questions if you're not sure. So I appreciate the answers. But he said, that's really all it was about is just more education, providing clarity. So the roadmap will let you know when things are coming up, what things have happened and what the next step is. And just knowing where you're going and, and again, some education on it, um, will definitely ease your stress. And that's really what it should be about. Getting a financial plan should not be intimidating. Well, it all starts, and I think we can agree on this, with cash flow. Why is that so, so important? Well, you're right, Dave. Cash flow, one of the first forms you should be filling out, it's not the B word, people. It's not budget. I hate that word. Like, that's a swear word. <laughs> Ask my wife about that word. She hates that word. You know her. Yes. Yeah, she doesn't know the word budget. <laughs> to her, that's a four-letter word. Um, but cash flow is important. Yeah. How much money is coming in? How much money is going out? Now, the role of a financial advisor and a registered financial planner should not be to tell you how to spend your money. Okay. That's not their right. It's your life. It's your money. It should be... This is how much money you have, and this is how far it will go. Or if you keep spending this this much money, this is what will happen. Sure. Cash flow and full disclosure needs to do that. Now, as registered financial planners, we have a joke. When we do cash flow, all clients lie. And, we, and I say that to clients. You're all lying. No one knows really. No, it's really just that people don't really know what they spend. They don't. So cash flow helps the client okay. give clarity to their financial situation. So here's how that really works. I'll give you an easy example. You're doing your financial plan. You're at your registered financial planner's office. You've gone through a bunch of the steps. You're working on your plan. And the registered financial planner or the certified financial planner or any financial planner, sure. whatever they want to call themselves for that matter, says, you need to put away $1,000 a month to RSPs to reach your goal. And you look at your cash flow form and it shows you have $250 left over at the Yikes. end of the month. Yikes. See, it's not their right to tell you to spend this. Okay. It is to say, spending this much money, we can get you to this stage. Like we have a thing. The goal is to hit 100% of your desired goal. You're not going to hit that in the first meeting. Well, you sometimes do, but, but if you can come into the first meeting and have your initial plan and and it says you're at 60% of what you want to achieve. And by the end of your financial plan down the road, and we'll get back to this later, 
but you've made it to 70%, you're moving forward. Okay. And that's sure. all it's supposed to be. Okay. So cash flow is key because there, there's a thing, real easy saying, ever heard of garbage in, garbage out? <laughs> yes. If you don't put good information in the cash flow form, the person at the other side of the table trying to do the plan for you isn't really going to be able to do a good job because they're not dealing with all the facts. So there's nothing embarrassing about it. There's nothing you need to hide behind. Well, unless you have some 1-900 numbers on there quite a bit, but, okay. you know, but, but with your cash flow, show what you make, show what you spend, and then the person's dealing with all the facts to give you a good picture of how to move forward. This gets us to um, something that's called a net worth statement. And the first time I saw that, I cringed a little bit. I went, yikes. Again, it's, it's sort of about telling yourself the truth. What are the key parts to this? Well, full, full disclosure. You want the, the financial advisor, your, your planner to have full disclosure? Yeah. You have to have full disclosure too. That's what I mean. So net worth statement is really important because cash flow shows money in every month coming in from income and different sources and money going out for expenses. Net worth statement shows assets. So we have a house, it's worth, to Vancouver, it's, you know, my shack is worth a million five, sort of, and it's, yeah. and it's a garage. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my house is worth X and I owe X. And, but then cars, credit cards, things like that. Yeah. That gives the planner, again, an even more complete picture of what to tackle next. And again, I'm full of these examples, but I've been doing this a long time. Yeah. And I had one very recently where a person came in, a husband and wife, and wanting to do a financial plan. So we're working on at, the, at this meeting stage right here with the gathering the information. And so I'd given them the paperwork. So next meeting comes and I get back the paperwork and I get the net worth statement and I kind of put the brakes on. Oh, it's too early for a financial plan for you. I'm not going to advise any products. I'm not going to say we should do this, we should do that. They were at a situation where we needed to tackle some immediate debt instead. Without a net worth statement, I wouldn't know about the immediate debt and how bad. And there was like six, seven, no, seven different credit cards and line of credit oh, debts. Ouch. Now, the interesting thing was, because that sounds bad. Oh, it is. It sounds bad. And there, there's some sizable amounts. Yes. But with the gentleman's new job and what was available in net worth as in cash, he had cash in the bank, okay. but he just didn't know, him and his wife did not know how to tackle the situation. One of the reasons they came to everything financial, what do we do? We want clarity. What, where do we start? We need to put money away for retirement. I said, no, 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 no. You need to take care of today. Retirement's, retirement's yeah. later. Yeah. And we put a plan in place um, and it'll be two years for them to be debt-free from all these little debts with, yeah. with the way we're tackling it. Now, the way they were going about it or, or what their philosophy was not knowing, again, that's why they came in. They weren't sure. The way they were servicing those debts, five years maybe, maybe, ooh, but ooh. in that five years, they were going to cash in a bunch of RSPs, which seemed like a quick throw money at the wall solution. Yeah. The problem was they were his RSPs and spousal RSPs, like under his wife's name, that he had just deposited to. And so the problem would have been with his new job, very high income, those RSPs, if they were cashed in, all would have been taxed 
to his name, even the spousal ones, because there's a three-year rule since he had just deposited to his wife's spousal RSP. He got the tax deduction, but he would also have to pay the tax if they're cashed in. Ouch. In, in that short period of time, because yeah. it was just done last year. So having the net worth statement is really important. A lot of other times people here, here's that can go the other way. So a little more positive spin on this or a positive example. They think they're in debt, but you're not really in debt. So an example would be if you had a $250,000 debt on your house, mortgage line of credit debt or something like that, but that was offset because you had a $250,000 investment. Remember people last year's podcast when we told you how to make your mortgage tax deductible, and we are going to get into that this year again with more details and more examples, but that's not really a debt because if you have an asset on one side to offset the debt on the net worth statement, they wipe each other out. So again, having clarity and knowledge of the net worth statement is important, but also giving the advisor, the person helping you with your financial plan, the full picture so they know the difference between good debt and bad debt. And there is both. (laughs) Well, well, you know. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, if you're... And it's not a bad word, people. Um, if you're a commissioned salesperson who gets lots of tax deductions, et cetera, maybe your car is a debt, but it's let's say it's fully tax deductible. Well, it's not necessarily a bad debt because your true cost yeah. is quite a bit less. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get into that in the tax episode 14 or whenever that is down the road this season. <laughs> but, but again, good debt and bad debt, net worth statement helps you out with that. What other financial documents should you also provide? Well, that's a, that's a key one. Um, Statements on the debt. Let's let's yeah. stick with the debt for a sure. minute here, or the net worth statement. Statements on the loans, like a mortgage statement, a loan statement, things like that. Because the person putting in the information, like when I my staff put in information, it's one thing to put in. We just talked about a car loan, so it's one thing to put in a car loan, but it's more important to put in the car loan, the payment, the interest rate, um, how long is left on the amortization. Same thing with a mortgage, credit cards. All those statements related to the net worth statement should all be provided. Okay. Uh, you should also provide um, your tax return, last year's tax return. So most um, really reputable registered financial planning firms, a lot of them I know, a lot of my colleagues have, they're getting free plugs today, um, have <laughs> no tax departments. And we have a tax department. So we go through taxes and we can go, oh, look, if you did this and this differently, you're not spending any more money, but you can save on your taxes. Saving on your taxes is like making more money. Okay. Because gosh knows the government doesn't know what to do with the money. So so having all that. So there's nothing wrong with tax returns, statements of all debts. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk in a second about your investment statements too, your insurance policies, anything that's on that net worth cash flow statement, full disclosure, you should provide, <coughs> pardon me, the firm the statement, so they know the full picture. It's not just a number, it's all the underlying details as well. What's the biggest benefit from providing all of those statements? Because, I mean, you've given a wide, wide list of them. What's the biggest benefit? Um, It goes back to what we said at the beginning here is is having knowledge of the full picture, like good, bad, or otherwise. That allows the firm to put in the information and provide you a true picture of your current financial situation. Without it, you're throwing you-know-what against the wall, the yeah. splatter gun effect, and you're guessing. Yeah. 
Um, they really do need that full disclosure. Now, again, Peter's full of examples today. We have a client very recently who had a potential client, let's just say, because she's not a client and not going to be a client. <laughs> um, no names. I'm protecting the innocent. Okay. Um, but they did not want to provide basically any information. They just wanted to tell us what they wanted in their financial plan. And they had a sizable amount of money. Yeah. And I just handed everything back to them and said, not interested, thanks. I mean, we again, we talked about garbage in, garbage out. Yep. Without a full picture, you can't do it. And, and if you're not willing to give that information, you should not be expecting the firm to take you on as a client. We won't. Yeah. And you know what? We're not trying to be you know, ignorant about it or obnoxious or be rude, but it's a, it's a relationship, right? And you and I have talked about this for years and it's the trust factor that we've talked about. If you don't have trust to provide the information to the firm that's trying to help you, then go somewhere else until you find that trust. And, yeah. and that goes for our company too. If you okay. come in and you don't have that relationship with us and you don't trust us or you don't think we have your best interests at heart, then I don't want you as a client either. Okay. I mean, it works both ways. We, we shouldn't deal with each other. And there's no animosity, no hard feelings, go elsewhere. I mean, until you get that right relationship, because in the end, that's what it's all about. Remember, there's, there's about 3% of the population that has true financial plans. Some stats say it's closer to 10, three, 10. It doesn't matter. That means there's 90% of the people out there I can help with a plan. So if, <laughs> if one of those people doesn't want the help, the, trust me, okay. if someone leaves our firm or, or says, cancels a meeting or says, well, I don't want to provide that information. And we say, okay, no problem. I think it's best we not deal with each other. And you know our firm. Um, the second that meeting's canceled, it's filled within 10 seconds. There's a waiting list, which is a good problem to have yeah. because there is a lot of people who want to take control of their money and find the answer. So if you have the trust, provide the information because in that letter of engagement that we talked about, the first yep. point we talked about today it should say in there, and I didn't comment on this, but it, but this is the time to bring it up. There should be something in there that provides you the security to know that all, all your documents are secure, confidential, not going to be disclosed to a third party. If I find some things in your tax return that can help you, I'm not running to Justin and saying, <laughs> here you go, look at this person's going to do this. <laughs> I'm not providing him that information. Gosh knows. You know, so the trust factor's got to be there. I'll sleep at night knowing that. Um, now... <laughs> Peter, why is it important for clients to give you a copy of, of, their, of their statements? So, yeah, the financial statements, Dave, the investment statements is, is the other part of all the paperwork. Okay. Um, again, full disclosure, knowing where things are. So people get confused about TFSAs, RSPs, non-registered investments, uh, locked-in RSPs from former employers. It's not just an asset it's a type of asset and they all have different tax treatments. So your financial planner needs to know the differences in these um, to really build the proper picture of where you are right now. And it's also, you know, with those, some things you may not have realized are going to be disclosed. So I can look at a statement and realize, oh, you're putting $200 a month into your TFSA but it wasn't on your cash flow statement. Oh. You and that's not because you didn't want to put it. You just might not realize where money's going here, money's going there. So mm. it it just gets you more in depth to that big picture. But there's some do's and don'ts of those investment statements. So people, this one's really important. 
If you go in and talk to the financial planner, they say, let me have your statements and have a look at those. (laughs) And all they really want to do is take those statements and show you what they will say is a better way to invest your money. Well, you shouldn't have XYZ mutual fund. You should have ABC and MNO mutual fund instead. Always make sure. Now, this is key, people. This is the most important part of this whole podcast. Always make sure when you go in to a firm, you're wearing comfortable footwear. Because if they start saying we can do better, these these investments we would have chosen would have been better for you. It's called fun picking and rate chasing. They're full of crap. They don't know what would have been better for you because they didn't have a crystal ball last year that worked. Those statements are in the past. So the reason for comfortable footwear is run for the door. At this point, the relationship has ended. The only reason to look at a statement is to know what type of accounts, aka RSP, TFSA, et cetera, like I just said, that your money is in. And one more reason, and this should be disclosed to you, how much are my fees? That is the only reason we look at statements. So we can disclose what your fees are in those filthy, rotten mutual funds that you've been sold. (laughs) And the key there is sold because there is a commission involved. And that again, back to letter engagement, should be disclosed. But that is the whole reason for a statement. So again, the don'ts, It's not about past rates of return. It's about fees and type of accounts you have to provide full clarity. I think I covered it. I think you did. (laughs) In case there was any confusion there, I just want to make sure. Uh, As you know, time is kind of ticking by, it's picking up speed and everything. So especially, you know, you get on the other side of 50. Uh, How important is me? Yes, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. How important is it to hand over a copy of your will? Well, the will is more, it's very important, but the will is more to get the client to see if they have an updated will okay. more than anything. Okay. Can we have a copy of your will? Oh, oh, um, Aunt Martha is the executor. Oh, and she's also the guardian of your children. Oh, what's that you're saying? She passed away 20 years ago. Oh, I'm very sorry <laughs> to hear that. You might need a new will. Yeah. A lot of time that's it, is yeah. to get to people to look at the will and see if it needs to be updated and make sure they have one. That's really the full copy of the will. And then a lot of firms will have an association with uh, a law firm who does estates and does wills or a notary like we do. And we'll we'll have Bart Aldrich on again this year to talk about uh, part of the estate planning process, the wills, et cetera. Um, but that's really what it's all about, seeing if it's up to date. And we're going to we're gonna talk a lot more about that too with Bart. In, I don't know what episode, but down the road here this season at some point on some simple things that you can look at in your will before you even hand it to the advisor to make sure it's up to date. But the the one that I get all the time is guardian of the children and the executor. And, you know, a lot of people, when they start out, when they're young, they name their parents or something. And now they're coming in to see us and they're, you know, 50, you said 50, you, you said it, not me. Okay. Um, you said the other side of 50, I think, actually. Um, <laughs> and the parents are still on the will, except one of them, unfortunately, is gone, or sometimes both. Sure. Or or they're at an age that, would you really want to saddle them with that? Or, you're at, or they're at an age where your kids are now grown and out of the house, yeah. 
so they no longer need a guardian. Could you imagine your 30-something-year-old son or daughter having to go to the grandparents because that's now their guardian? No, oh, wow. wouldn't really happen. But, um, but that's the whole reason for the will is sure. just to make sure it's up to date and you have one. Speaking of up to date, let's get on to the tax return. Uh, how important is that to get it up to date? Oh, that's key. I mean, the last thing you want to be is be in arrears with CRA. Yikes. <laughs> not having your tax return done is not a good thing. Now, if they owe you money, ah, that's not the worst thing in the world. But think about it. You're letting the government hang on to your money longer. What could possibly go wrong in that situation? <laughs> Everything. Yeah. I mean, so again, it's for the advisor, first off, to make sure your taxes are up to date. Second off, I know with our Omni Formula software, we can actually verify that everything's right as far as from the cash flow statement. So the, the tax return with the software does tie into the cash flow statement to make sure the numbers are right. Because we can literally enter all this stuff in the computer and then go, oh, your surplus is $1,250 a month. Does that sound about right? And the person will go, yep, that sounds right. I had one recently where the surplus was actually almost dead on double that. It was 2400 and change. Does that sound about right? And the husband and wife look at each other and went, oh, no, <laughs> that's not even close. That's about half that. So then we have to go either where are these expenses or we can just put in a miscellaneous expense to make up the difference that they can't find. Again, I'm not there to judge and say, oh, you spent too much money at the local coffee shop where your latte was nine fifty, um, and you had four of them today. Ouch. Um, but but full disclosure of what is left over because you can't come up with a strategy to help you reach your goals unless you know what's there. The other big thing is we talked earlier and I've talked about this in previous episode, future episodes about tax deductible mortgage strategy, et cetera. There are certain things inside investments. So a minute ago we talked about the investment statement. Yeah. Well, I can look at an investment statement, then look at your tax return and see if there's things you are missing and not deducting. And, and that's common. I, I see that more times than I can count where things are not being deducted properly. And it's and we and I don't want to throw blame on your your accountant or you know a bookkeeping place that you're getting these things done at, because again, you may not have provided them the information, yeah. or the advisor may not have provided you with the information that you knew or are the proper education to know that you can write this off, this off, this off, et cetera, et cetera. So all those things get pieced together and you put the financial puzzle together because one thing leads me down a rabbit hole to look for another thing, to look for another thing, where are the answers? And in the initial plan, when we're, we're providing you this stuff to gather the information, to set up your initial plan, um, that's the key is it's, it's really going down a rabbit hole looking for different things. Yeah. So the tax return helps complete a lot of the earlier information we talked about looking for that, those missing items. Let's talk about access to CRA. Let's get there. That's, that's a great thing. Actually, this is where you really, um, want to deal with a firm that does have the tax department. Okay. You can provide them access to the, my account area of CRA but it's for something really simple. They can then let you know what your contribution room is for RSPs, what your contribution room is for TFSAs. There's other things they can look at, but those two simple disclosures allow for better strategies to be formed to move you forward in your financial plan. And I mean, again, 
provides the full picture, more immediate uh, information at the firm's disposal to get you the full picture of where okay. you are. And in the end, this is all about providing all this information because we talked about having clear knowledge of where you are. Most important thing, doesn't matter if it's good, bad, or otherwise, just a true picture of where you are. All these items go together to form a puzzle. We put it all together to provide a clear picture of where you are. That's step one, just knowing where you are. Well, then what is the next step? Uh, the next step is you you gather this information and then you provide that to uh, the firm that's putting together the plan for you. From that, the next meeting should be, and this is what it is with the Omni Formula, is it's called an info gathering meeting. But at the end of that meeting, you have a clear picture of your current situation. It's called, we call it the initial financial plan, which means what your financial situation was when you came in the door. Now, just for disclosure and security and confidentiality, if you're not comfortable um, uploading this information, we have secure server sites that, that you can actually scan, upload the information right to a secure device we have. Yeah. Um, right in our offices, it's right there. There's no problem. But if, if And some people don't have the technology, don't have the scanner, whatever. Then drop the information by hand. Mm -hmm. And what we do when, when someone brings in the information by hand is the staff in our office will scan all that information and provide it back to you. I mean, so it's your paperwork, it's your yeah. money, it's your information. Again, that part of that trust, security, so you feel better about the situation. But nowadays in, in this technology here now, a lot of firms, and we have this with the Omni Formula, it's built right into the Omni Formula software. Actually, we have a secure portal you can just scan and get that information. Good. And again, the full picture. And in that initial info gathering meeting to provide the initial plan, sometimes you have to do that twice because, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, if things are missing, uh -huh. then at the end of that meeting, you could get a checklist and say, we still need X, Y, and Z. We still need some things or, you know, to, to give the full picture. And that's where you go from there. And then you, then you move on with your plan. That's it for episode two, Peter. Now, if folks want more information on what you do or how the Omni Formula works, what should they do? Uh, go to, well, lots of different sources we have out there. I mean, there's everythingfinancial.com. Start yeah. with that. Yeah. You can go to Everything Financial Group on YouTube and see current past episodes, um, past CTV broadcasts, which are all there to provide uh, information. Call one of the offices in Langley, which is our head office, White Rock, Victoria, Scottsdale, Arizona. Hey, sometimes Americans watch this too. Um, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. This is way above my pay grade. We have, we have a social media person for this. Hi, Jamie, um, who looks after all this stuff. But yeah, any of those sources. But there's uh, every, to make it simple, everythingfinancial.com will open up the portal to reach us any way that's convenient for you. Great stuff as always, Peter. We'll be back uh, soon with episode number three. In the meantime, if you have a question for Peter or a topic that you would like us to cover, you can email the show at yourmoney at everythingfinancial.com. Mm -hmm.